Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the Fan. Blue Jays back in action here at home against the Houston Astros, a four-game series. Alec Manoa on the mound tonight. We'll tee that up to end the show with the Wake and Rake. You can send those picks in at 590-590, but they're coming off a pretty big weekend in New York, sweeping the Mets and winning three series in a row. So maybe this is the sustainable level of Blue Jays play that we've wanted, and we'll see how long... They can keep that up. Uh, Carlos Pena is going to uh, join us right now, former MLB first baseman and all-star gold glover, current MLB network analyst. How's it going this morning? Hey, what's going on? Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Of really course. Appreciate it. it's, it's great to chat. It's been a little while. Um, and things are going really well here in Toronto as in the last couple days at least uh, with a series win against the Mets. It, it changes from Monday to Monday, but, but right we'll now things it. are going really We're well. We're joining us when the vibes are high, so we'll keep it up that way. Um, let's start with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because he's been a really big point of emphasis this season so far. I mean, he have, obviously hasn't had his all-star caliber, caliber start to the year, but this weekend we saw a little bit maybe of a breakthrough from Vladdy. Uh, what do you make of just his start and the struggles that he has been having at the plate? Yeah, you know, with with uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., it's all about timing. I mean, uh, we know that the skill is certainly there. Um, you know, young players, you know, we can still categorize him as a young player, even though he's had great success in the league so far. Sometimes do not have that sense of timing. Well, I'm going to rephrase that. I mean, every hitter, really, sometimes just we, we do not focus uh, as much as we should on timing. And what we do is we waste all the time working on mechanics. There's nothing wrong mechanically. Usually some of the things that we see mechanically break down start because of our approach and our timing and our sense of rhythm. Um, you know, so that's all it is. So it's, it's incredible how me being removed from a batter's box and, you know, analyzing hitters and hitters uh, pretty much every single night, then you realize, like, wait a second, really the struggle starts whenever a player slates, not allowing himself enough time of the plate to hit. And that's uh, what Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been struggling with. So it's simpler than we think um, as far as the fix is concerned. Uh, and I think we've seen him take a couple nice clean cuts at the base loss of late that signal that he is getting there a little bit better um, you know, than before. He got his first home run in a career um, one-month span, which is one of the longest he's had. Uh, first time off, a, I mean, uh, off a real pitcher, not a position player. So it was one calendar month, and that was yesterday. So how much does a home run help just shake a little bit of the bad vibes that players going through? I know it's not all about that, but just getting the moonshot and getting to walk around the bases with that level of uh, confidence that we saw Vladdy yesterday, you think that that's kind of enough to to give him a, a moment of uh, relief as he heads home today to hopefully get things kicked off at the Rogers Center? It's amazing what happens uh, sometimes in a, a human psyche, right? As ball players, we have a good game. We're able to connect with the baseball, and immediately your confidence just shoots through the roof, and you start feeling a little bit better. You get started earlier. I mean, we, we are studying this closely. I'm like, what is it that happens uh, to a player's brain um, when you start swinging slightly well? Maybe you have a pitcher that matches well with you, and you get a couple of nice swings against the pitcher's um, it could really get you going. So, yes, I am optimistic that this is uh, right about the the time that Vlad starts to, to get hot and will get hot, and then you won't be able to stop him. I see good signs. 
So a bit of a different reality for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. Uh, his buddy Teoscar Hernandez traded away, or yeah, traded away. Lourdes Gurriel traded away as mm-hmm. well. Uh, we called it kind of before the season. They broke up the barrio a little bit, where it's just a little bit of, di- of a different vibe. Uh, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s friends not necessarily being there to, you know, maybe work through some swing issues or or talk about uh, what an opposing pitcher may be doing. Uh, it seems like you know things have just changed a little bit. How much does it affect you when you know maybe a couple of your close teammates are out the door and you're adjusting to a new lineup uh, as a hitter like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, as, as the player, you're never going to admit to that, like, oh, it's because, or make, make excuses. I know Vlad is not going to do that, but of course he's missing those guys. I mean, it, it, he's only human. I mean, at the end of the day, they really had something special going. Um, and this is beyond just like, oh, I feel comfortable around my teammates. It's, it's that work at the cage together, talking about pitchers, that's what you start missing. And I'll tell you what, we always have these designated guys, uh, either by default, just simply because um, it just ended up being that way, or sometimes by design, where you say to your buddies, like, hey, you know what I want you to watch. I want you to tell me, when am I getting started? If I'm not getting started early enough, make sure you keep me honest. Because I'll tell you this, guys, sometimes the hitters, we really don't even realize that we're getting started a few clicks. Like I'm talking about maybe tenths of a second later than we should. We don't notice that except that when we're at the plate, we seem not to recognize the off-seat pitches. We collapse in our backside because we're trying to create space and time to hit. And we're like, okay, what's going on? Well, Tosca Hernandez was that guy that was like, hey, look, man, get going a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Get going. You're late. You're late. What happens now? You know, he's not around. Guriel. Same idea. Uh, not to say that he doesn't have great teammates now, but there is a factor uh, there that I think is important to acknowledge. You know, when you're missing guys that you've been uh, successful with in the past and all of a sudden you don't have the same uh, faces around you. I wonder if that that led to the fact that uh, Vladdy brought up his uncle um, last homestand, Wilton Guerrero, to, to maybe give him a little bit of, of tips or just a, a different voice, a different perspective of the slump that he was in. Um, is that the is that the, the sense you got with Vladdy bringing up a trusted family member to maybe refresh where he's at? Oh, that's that's precisely it. You want to uh, feel comfortable. You want to have that familiar voice uh, next to you, that little pat on the back whenever. Um, uh, you need it. And right now we could say that he needs it. Um, but not only that, also like, hey, man, let's go. You're better than this, you know. Um, I, I remember uh, Guerrero Sr. Uh, being like that. He used to love having his family around. Um, and you can see many things, many traits that um, Guerrero Sr. used to have. Uh, Vladi is picking up right where he left off. Even something as simple as just, it, it's a family tradition. You know, it's incredible. We're talking about family traditions in the major leagues, right? Like, it's, it's hard enough to make it to the big leagues, let alone, like, create, you know, a family legacy of ball players. But one of the things that he usually uh, did was just bring food to the stadium. I mean, Vladdy Guerrero Sr. would not allow um, Latin players to come into Anaheim, for example, and not have a feast for them. He used to, he used to host us, in a sense, in the stadium, and bring food to the stadium. Well, that's the way Vladdy knows. You know, he wants to be around family. Um, it just gets him on track. And I believe it 100% for it to be a factor as well. So, yes, bring in Wilton. You know, hopefully come in, Dad. You know, whatever it takes. So the Blue Jays are playing really, really good baseball if you look at the standings. And if they were anywhere else, 
but the American League East, they would be a first-place team. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vladdy knows that. Vladdy gets going, and they're going to get over that hump. Well, hopefully there's some home cooking and Vladdy can continue what is a pretty good run here with a game-winning RBI double Saturday and a home run on Sunday. But I, I, I want to pose this question not about Vladdy because we've been talking about him a lot. But when you look at the Blue Jays roster, is there too much? Are they putting too much pressure on Vlad and Bo to be great given that they gave away Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Goriel and they're not as powerful of a lineup this year than they were last year. Still a good hitting lineup. Uh, The numbers would bear that out, but it does seem like there's a little bit more pressure this year than there was last on the top of the order to get it done. Just strictly through uh, management's decisions and uh, the roster that they put out there on the field. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the fact that now you're missing these two huge bats, um, look, this, this lineup is still able to score some runs, but um, and still very capable of continuing to do so. Um, but yes, every, whenever you remove uh, a bat, like uh, the ones that were, that they just left the, the ball club, then all of a sudden now Guerrero uh, and um, Bichette, Springer, now they're the ones that have to carry that freight. So instead of spreading the responsibility around, nothing against Bell, nothing against Chapman, Barsho, you know, um, but Hey, they know that it's Bichette and Guerrero's team. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that. They, if they go, the team goes. And Bo has been absolutely outstanding this year. Um, but how, how much can you put on, on these guys? It's a lot easier when you spread the weight around to the entire lineup. So, uh, and trust me, we as professionals know that. We know it's like, okay, we're going to be missing these two very lively bats. Guess what? I better bring it. Mm-hmm. And then you start up slow. And then you see the team that even though they're playing, you know, the, the Bridges are playing good baseball overall, right? They have a, a, a very, um, let's say, a winning record, right? Well, mm-hmm. guess what? It's not enough for the American League East. How do you think Bob Bichette and Blackguerro Jr. feel? It's like, well, we do. It's not enough. We got to get going. We have to go. We have to do more. That's not, that, that pressure doesn't help. Uh, for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure uh, for two young kids, but Bobichet has certainly, I don't know, risen to the occasion this year. He's currently leading the MLB in hits, ranks top five batting average. He's been a really dangerous hitter this year. It looks like he's also growing into a bit of a leadership role. What have you liked best about Bo's approach this season and how he's been able to come out like a reinvigorated Bo? Yeah, I'm going to sound like a broken record. His timing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've seen him over the years kind of develop this. Uh, system where he doesn't even strive, especially with, with, with two strikes specifically. That's where he goes to it. Um, that's what I'm talking about, that sense of timing, right? So he has a huge leg kick, a lot of movement, a lot of uh, coiling, and this huge inward turn with two strikes. Well, he understands that he needs to get all of that in before the pitch is released. You know, he has to get started early. And then you see him say, okay, I can't be doing all this movement with two strikes, let me shorten up. I'm going to spread out. I'm just going to kind of just pick up my heel and put it back down. Uh, and, and he pretty much eliminates his stride. What is that? That's precisely what I'm talking about. A sense of timing and understanding that timing is the most important thing in hitting. And maybe that is one of the things that will rub off on Guerrero. Now, listen, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is a great hitter, but we all go through these uh, spells where our timing is just not there. Um, and I think this is where Guerrero finds himself. Bichette has been locked in 
pretty much all year with that. And if you look at the two swings, Bichette has a lot more movement to get in than Vlad Guerrero Jr. So you have to say, how in the world is Bichette being, is Bichette being able to um, adjust and keep all those movements within the time allotted to take a swing at the baseball? And yet, Vladdy with a little bit more um, of a, with a little bit less movement has had a tough time. That's baseball for you. And that's what you need teammates, batting coaches, um, to be watching video and all that stuff. But the point is that you watching and working on the right thing. If I talk to Vladdy right now, I would say timing, timing, timing. The chat has been right on from the beginning of the year. Uh, Carlos, I don't know how much or how closely you were tracking the Blue Jays over the weekend, but it felt like a really, really positive weekend. Maybe one that's good for just the cohesion element of a baseball team in a clubhouse. I mean, Chris Bassett's wife's in labor. He goes out there on the mound and dominates his former team. You say Kikuchi outduels his countrymen and a guy that's, you know, generating a lot of interest around the league in Senga. Uh, and Jose Barrios has another good um, uh, outing for the Blue Jays in a series sweep. Plus, you got Brandon Belt getting chanted MVP when he hit the two-run homer, homer uh, to put them ahead on Sunday. It just felt like things were coming together. A good weekend on the road spent together. Not to say that, you know, all these, like, little landmarks can turn a season around. But when things do come together like that, in the bottom end of a rotation and some depth guys really step up for you, h- how much can that as you turn the month over into June now, really, you know, pave the way for things to turn around for your season just a, bit, a little bit more? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And this is precisely what we do as ballplayers is we try to find narratives that really fuel us. Um, and this is not a made-up one. This actually happened. I mean, you see all those little uh, wins or, or, you know, conquests, right? You go out there and you're able to conquer – um, this uh, sweep uh, against the Mets. By the way, the Mets are supposed to be a great ball club, a great team, um, underachieving right now, but really a great uh, roster nevertheless. And here comes the, the Blue Jays and take three in New York. By the way, Big Apple out of all places. Like, that's not an easy place to play at. So you got to use all these narratives. Oh, wow, Blabby with a big hit. You know, gets a bad call, and then he comes through. Um, you know, uh, people getting thrown out left and right. And here comes Lottie, gets a back call and, and, and just bears down and gets a big hit. You have to ride those narratives and utilize them for momentum to propel you forward. Now, if you look at, you know, the, the reason I mentioned the record earlier is because you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, they, they, you know, we've got a winning streak, we just swept, and, um, you know, well above 500, and we're not where we want to be in our division. That's how difficult this East is, you know, the American League East is. Well, that's why you can't take your, your foot off the, uh, of the pedal. You have to go pedal to the metal the entire way. There is really no time to take a breath. You just have to keep, keep on rolling forward. So use every type of, uh, you know, a- anything that could really build momentum for you. And this weekend could certainly do that for the Blue Jays. And uh, no bigger spotlight again tonight than Alec Manoa on the mound with everything you lay out about the momentum the Blue Jays might have right now, the good vibes around it. Alec Manoa has been uh, certainly a part of this lineup that we've had some frustrations with, and understandably because he was a Cy Young finalist last year and he hasn't been himself. So being in a big moment like this, and Alec Manoa has been in a few this season, it feels like every start just lines up with something big, whether it's the home opener, the season opener, Yankee Stadium, or now after a sweep 
how does he need to approach tonight? I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. As, as I mentioned, you know, he post game was a little bit upset about his performance, which we understand, but how do you approach a game like this tonight? And does the energy around the team maybe help him in a sheltered moment being like the team is good right now. I just need to do, you know, my own thing, my best right now and, and not put so much pressure on me. Yeah, because we know that, you know, Alex is one of these guys that he just wants to run through a wall every single day, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got all all the tools to be absolutely dominant. So if he is not dominant, you know that he's there just fuming and scratching his head like, what in the world? Like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yes, it's difficult because our own competitive uh, nature sometimes can get the best of us, and we have to kind of just reel that in and get it under control. And for Manoa, that's extremely important. Um, and just like I was talking about Vagero Jr. not performing up maybe to his capability and, and the, um, the fix or the adjustment being more about timing, well, with Manoa, it's more about sequencing. So, again, a strategy uh, situation. Um, with pitchers, it's also a little bit more challenging in a sense because remember how we were talking about mechanics and how – I don't want you talking, talking too much about mechanics if you're a hitter. Well, with pitchers, if you don't have your mechanics, it's like it's over for them. It's, it's unbelievable how if you do not, everything aligns and the biomechanics are not, or all the movements are not working in synergy, it can really throw you off. So let's say, let's, let's assume that his mechanics are correct, okay? Fine. That doesn't solve it alone. Now he has to go out there and has to have the right sequences to throw and execute those. Sometimes we get hit or hit, uh, uh, pitchers get hit, not because they made a, a mistake uh, on spinning the ball or throwing hard or anything like that. It's they just threw the wrong pitch. All right, with Manoa, that's probably going to be the answer. More times than not, it's like, well, the sequence that wasn't right. So I, if I were him, I would go immediately to sequencing because his stuff is just too good. It's just too nasty for him not to succeed. Um, so in other words, try not to cooperate with hitters, go to their weaknesses, you know, elevate the fastball, and spin the off speed off of the same tunnel as you just the trajectory that you just threw the fastball in, rush hitters inside and up, and then break off the off speed. Do not fiddle around. Um, uh, throwing pitches that you just the waste pitches, you know, you you want to be economical and effective and efficient. So you have to go right at the hitter and and make sure that you you make all your pitches work in synergy. That's where Manoa has been having a little bit of a tough time. But this this kid is an absolute horse. So I expect him to get back uh, on the saddle. Um, you know, if I may say, but <laughs> um, because he's just absolutely nasty. Uh, Carlos Pena, uh, former MLB All-Star and MLB Network analyst on the line with us. Uh, we've been talking about the AL beast all year. Uh, you've mentioned it a couple times. Help us contextualize it. Is this like one of the greatest divisions you've ever seen in your time in baseball? Is that a stretch to say uh, that it, or, or a stretch to go that far? Like ha, ha, when you look at this division, uh, how does it compare to the, the greatest divisions that you've seen play out? And I know we're only a couple months in here. Yeah, well, this is really impressive um, because if you were to grab right now, as of today, um, man, I did it like a couple nights ago at the MLB Network where I had grabbed every single team in the American League East, and I moved the team over to a division in the, in the big leagues. And basically what you ended up having was that each 
team in the East would be in first place in any of the other divisions. Um, the only one that was the closest uh, really were, were the Yankees, and um, I believe it was the, the, the Yankees and the Dodgers were, you know, had a similar record. I'm not, I remember if they were the two teams. The bottom line is this. If you move them around, they're first-place ball clubs everywhere else, which tells you a lot about the, the, how fair the, the divisions are because they're, they're really not. Um, and, and that's the difficulty of playing in the East. But that's been going on for a while, guys. I mean, I remember when I played uh, for the race, you know, the division was still uh, the, the toughest one in baseball. And really every single game, because we used to play 18 games um, with each team in our division, it, it was exhausting. I mean, after every single year, you would be absolutely drained. As a matter of fact, I will go into like some sort of a – I will get always – always after the season ended, sort of a flu. I would get sick after the season ended because of, <laughs> of, of finally, like, letting go of that pressure, of that, like, engagement. Um, you know, mentally, it was just absolutely exhausting. But that's what the reputation of the American League East, and it's only getting stronger. I mean, this year, yeah, I would say of historic proportions, you know, what I see, you know, th- th- these teams, they're, they're the best teams in baseball if, if you put a if you want to just put a ball in, it's the best division for sure. Yeah, thank goodness for expanded playoffs because it would look real disproportionate if if the playoffs started and a lot of the American League East teams were on the outside looking in. Uh, this we talk a lot about a lot of hockey on this show, Carlos, and uh, of course all the other sports. But you know, summer is for baseball, and we're going to have to expand our horizons a little bit in terms of Major League Baseball. Is there a team? Is there a player? Is there someone that we should be keying into as particularly interesting? Or talented? Where should we go if we're looking for our your our next team on our watchability rankings? If we're watch Blue Jays games, what other team should we you know really in tune with this summer? Well, obviously the Rays have been absolutely uh, insane, and you're like, well, they're slowing down a little bit. You saw, you know, on the road they don't play as well, but I mean, this this team is special to watch. Is the way that they've been able to put together. Uh, this lineup where everyone contributes, and not only just chipping in, I mean, they're really banging the ball around. I mean, hitting for power one through nine, um, and, and also just firing in all cylinders as far as pitching is concerned. The Texas Rangers are a team that have been incredibly impressive. Um, you know, the way they've been swinging the bats yesterday, the 16th time that they score double digits. Uh, uh, runs um, in a game that's 16 and 58 games that actually is a major league record ever in the history of the game. Uh, there's never been a team in the first 58 games of the season to score um, double digit runs, um, you know, as often. So um, the range is really, really intriguing. And guess what? The Grom is not even part of that ball club. And look at the record that they have. Steemian with an incredible. Um, you know, hitting streak going. <laughs> he kept it alive yesterday right away off the bat. Um, you know, that's a team that that's, that is very uh, interesting. And then I'm going to stay in the East. You know, the Yankees getting back some of their key players, really going over there with the Dodgers playing great baseball. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks surprising <laughs> the National League West. And I'm like, hey, they're for real. I mean, yesterday they dropped a heartbreaker to the Braves. But I think the, the way the entire league is shaping up is just uh, uh, really a lot of fun. And now uh, also look at the, the Astros, man. I mean, they've really been playing good baseball. 
you know, Alvarez is just a joy to watch. Just, uh, man, he, he really looks like he is one of these veterans, right? And yet, when you look at the back of his card, you like, wait a second, how old is he? <laughs> you know, he's still, he's still a young kid, even though he looks like he's, you know, been in the league for, for 20 mm. years already because of how mature he looks at the plate. Um, really enjoying the season thus far. It's funny, you can draw a line between the Blue Jays uh, and all those teams you mentioned. Houston in town tonight, the Yankees, of course, a forever rival, Texas, a recent rival in the playoffs, and uh, even Arizona, because they traded Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gordon Jr. there uh, this past offseason. Uh, Carlos, thank you They're so much. They're doing great, guys. They are doing great, and we're a little, you know, maybe a little seller's remorse. Uh, thank you so much for the time this morning. Hopefully, we can catch up again soon. It's always a pleasure, man. I look forward to the next time. That's Carlos Pena, former MLB first baseman, all-star, and current MLB network analyst. A lot right. of fun, Evan Carlos. Yeah, here. he's a wonderful guy. Um, Alec Manoa on the mound tonight as we teed up a big spot once again for the young horse, as Carlos Pena put it. He better come out with that mentality tonight. That's a 707 first pitch on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 1. Uh, Sportsnet now. Sportsnet 590. The fans streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 and the Sportsnet app. Gosman, Bassett, and Barrios to follow on this four-game series against the Houston Astros. Big it's a big one. one. A big, big, big one at home. Great to be back at the Rogers Center. Um, okay, we've got a really great guest on the other side of the break as well. A uh, jam-packed hour here to kick off our Monday. Corey Connors is going to join us, PGA Tour golfer, obviously Canadian, two-time winner on the PGA Tour. <clears throat> Sorry. Canadian Open is this week. Uh, we can't wait to it's attend. It's a big week for Corey. It's a big week for all the Canadians, and we'll do a little whip-around what it's like being a Canadian on the tour, what they do when they're here, they're back home, if there's extra pressure, extra added media attention, obviously coming on our show, it's a little media attention here, but it's a big week ahead. So Corey Connors will join us on the other side of the break. One of the favorites for the weekend as well. I took a look at the odds, um, plus 1,600. He's up there in the top five to 10, so it'll be a lot of eyes on the Canadian golfer. Same with Adam, Adam Hadwin, who's having a little, uh, little run here, so he's up in the up in the spot. Uh, we'll talk to Corey Connors and we'll do a baby wake and rake. So send those picks in at five ninety five ninety. We'll get to that after Corey. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. The RBC Canadian Open is this weekend, this week. We'll be there, Ooh. and our next guest will be there. Corey Connors, PGA Tour golfer and two-time winner on the PGA Tour. Good morning, Corey. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good. So um, my co-host over here, Ailish, is the <laughs> biggest fan of small-town Ontario going. Hamlets. Uh, Hamlets in particular. Does <laughs> Listowel uh, qualify as yes. a Hamlet? You can let Corey answer. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I've always, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't really know much about it unless you're, you're from there, so that, uh, it's pretty small. Okay, so tell us a little about it because Ailish is like an, has encyclopedic knowledge. First of, of all, I've been. Okay, so you, you tell us. Spin I, I learn something Yarn here. Outlet, as you probably know. The yarn outlet. There you go. <laughs> My mom as a yeah. yes, a knitter sewer extravaganza. Oh, wow. I have been to the yarn outlet. That's basically how you can explain where Listowel is. We got a yarn outlet. What's the yeah. the goat farm? Goats on eighty six. Yeah, I uh, I have been yeah. in the small hamlet of Listowel, and obviously you're you're the big name when you walk in. The big sign should say home of Corey Connors, right? 
Do you have the sign? Yeah, there's there's a few signs. There okay. you go. Not uh, not not officially, but a lot of the a lot of the small businesses in town uh, they're they're cheering me on. They got some some mention of me, which is pretty cool. But yeah, uh, spin right, bit spin of a staple right. in, in downtown Listowel. <laughs> there yeah. you go. The yarn factory. What about the uh, Listowel Golf Club? I haven't had a chance to go there. Um, I you know I, I'm sure you have a big lengthy list of places you like, but this is the local golf club. I'm sure you got some memories there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, spent a lot of time there as a kid and, you know, love coming back there in the summertime as well. It's, uh, you know, for being a, a small hamlet, we're, we're calling it today. Um, yes. It has an awesome uh, golf golf facility, uh, 27 holes. You know, uh, just, yeah, really fortunate to have uh, such a great facility in the, in the small town. And um, obviously a lot of, a lot of supporters out there. And it's fun to go back and see some, you know, people who have, supported me throughout the years and you know are always cheering me on so it's a it's a very special place and will always be a special place to me so listwell's not hosting the rbc canadian open this week uh but you are kind of in a way do you feel like you're hosting are you like feeling the need to like feverishly clean the house because that's if i'm ever hosting that's what i feel like i have to do do you do you feel the hosting responsibility on the week of the rbc canadian open uh yeah a little bit i guess you know i've been been excited about this event for a while and you know been talking it up to you know, a lot of my fellow pga tour players uh week in and week out but uh you know i gotta try and take care of business first and foremost and play some good golf and have some fun out there but um yeah it's it's definitely a lot of people have been asking me about it and um you know i'm excited it's finally here this week and it'll be uh yeah it'll be a great week Okay, so Oakdale is the course. Um, how familiar are you with Oakdale? Um, we'll be there on Saturday. We'll be cheering you on, but I haven't had a chance to check it out myself. Um, it played there a couple times, I assume, or you've been able to see it uh, heading into this weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I played a tournament there in 2010, so uh, quite a while ago, but I was able to uh, get get there and, and see it a couple times um, a little over a week ago, and um yeah, it's it's great. Um, I think you know not many people are going to have experience on the course, so getting a couple early looks uh, is going to hopefully serve me well and add a little bit more comfort to to the course um, at Oakdale. It yeah, it wasn't somewhere that I knew much about you know before uh, you know a little over a week ago when I went to see it for the first couple times. But uh, great facility. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, I'm really excited. There's always such a great atmosphere out there with, with so many Canadian fans who just love sports and love golf. And it'll be uh, it'll be a pretty awesome weekend that uh, you mentioned that you're, you know, selling other players on the merits of coming to the RBC Canadian Open, fielding questions as part of the hosting responsibility you have. But I wonder, like just in general, separate from the RBC Canadian Open, what is a Canadian on tour asked the most, just like in the locker room, on the course? Like, what is the most common question that you're asked when you're not in Canada, not playing at the RBC Canadian Open? Uh, I don't really know. I feel like, you know, just just one of the guys, really. Um, not nothing, nothing comes to mind that's super unusual. You know, obviously people have asked me, you know, a little bit of details about the RBC Canadian Open coming up. But, you know, apart from that and week in, week out, basis there's nothing really super interesting that comes to mind to be honest 
Uh, in terms of internal process, because clearly this di- this week is different for you because you're doing a little extra media. You're on with us on a Monday morning, so there's more responsibility. People are asking more of you, but there is the responsibility and the weight of, hey, a Canadian hasn't won this thing in a while. Uh, d- is this week different from you in any way when it comes to just the competition, or is this kind of just any other week where you're trying to be at your best and you're trying to beat the other 100-and-something players uh, that are going to be out there with you? Yeah, this week obviously has something extra special you know, to it, being a Canadian in our national championship. But as much as possible, really trying to you know dumb the week down and make it like any other week, and you know try and pre- prepare really well, um, get in my routine, and um, yeah, just just have some fun out there. I think you know it's obviously a big deal for Canadians to play well here, and um, it would be pretty sweet to be the first Canadian winner in a very very long time, but. Um, you know, can't really get ahead of yourself and um, just got to, you know, prepare well, try and build a game plan and, and stick to that as, you know, best as possible. But, you know, saying that, I, I do feel great about my game and, um, you know, I, I expect myself to, you know, get myself in position for, for the weekend and, and hopefully try and make a run at it. It's, you know, going to be a, a big challenge, but I'm definitely excited for it and, um, you know, feel uh, feel ready and, and feel like I'm, you know, already starting to, to get well prepared. Uh, along with the energy and the Canadian fan base, uh, this tournament's a little bit special in terms of the way it's constructed. They'll have concerts Friday, Saturday night. They've got the rink hole, the, uh, the hockey rink hole, which uh, I wonder how much of that, like, you know, you get an opportunity to embrace and focus in, or is it like post tournament? You're like, Oh, it was pretty cool. Actually, you know, there's concert, there's a ring hole, the Canadians with all the hockey jerseys on. Uh, does this tournament have like that extra little bit of fun that you appreciate as a player, or are you just so dialed in that you don't really embrace that in the moment? Well, I definitely try to be dialed in, but this event's definitely special. They put on a great show, um, <laughs> you know, RBC and golf Canada and, the concert series and the wrinkle is something that is very memorable and it's very exciting when you get out there, you, you'll hear you know, people banging on the boards when you're you know, walking up to the hole. And it's, uh, it's something that's unique, but something that's really, uh, really fun. And I know a lot of the players absolutely love it. And I certainly love it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a special week and they do a great job. This, this tournament, you know, is, is one of the top tournaments, you know, for a fan experience and for player experience. So, um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be great. Looking forward to it. So your winner this season already on the PGA Tour, your second win at the Valero Texas Open. Is there just something about a golf course where a player is just so in tune with whatever it is about it, whether it's the shape, whether it's the conditions? I mean, it, it, you, you must feel very, very comfortable there. But does everyone sort of have those golf courses where they just feel really, really good there? Yeah, I think so. You know, after, you know, feeling the way I felt this year at, at the Valero Texas Open. I do love the golf course and I've always said it's one of my favorites on the tour. And um yeah, just the added comfort level of doing it before. I think there are certain spots and um, you know, obviously Tiger's extra special, but he won, you know, so many times at the same places and I think, you know, just learning to get it done there and, you know, being comfortable in the setting I think is you know, there's something to be said for that. So, um, you know, I'll certainly look forward to going back to San Antonio for the Valero <laughs> Texas Open every year. Um, but hopefully I can find that magic at some other places as well and sort of springboard myself into some other uh, 
some other wins uh, this season. Hopefully you can go for the three-peat. Uh, we're talking to Corey Connors, PGA Tour golfer, ranked 29th in the World Golf Rankings, highest Canadian-ranked player right now. So if you find those those moments where you, you mentioned your game is is you're feeling good about it coming in. Um, where is that biggest point of confidence? What are you liking most about your game when you look ahead to the Canadian Open and the opportunity to win the Canadian Open for the first time since I think it's like 1914 since, since a Canadian golfer had a chance to win? Yeah, it's, you know, I think all parts of my game I've been working hard on. I've been working hard on my short game and putting, which I think is going to be important this week. There's some long rough uh, at, the, at the course, so, um, you know, Miss the fairway is going to have to rely on the short game to get the ball up and down and try and save save pars. But you know, didn't uh, didn't score my best uh, last week in Ohio, uh, so had the few extra days off this weekend to to get get ready for the RBC Canadian Open. But I, I really do feel good about uh, all parts of my game. I feel like I'm driving it well and you know ironing it well. So yeah, just uh, try and keep things simple and have some fun out there and, and trust the game. But I know the uh, the ingredients are there. Just got to you know, put it together. Does it feel like there's less noise in the golf world this year? I mean, last year it was just like, if you had to describe it, I guess you'd say unsettled with guys going to live and lots of drama And this year things. I don't know if the golf world found its center, but things seem to be a little bit more normal. Uh, you've got the live players coming over and playing in majors. You've got a live player winning a major in Brooks Kepka, And it seems like, everyone's getting along is that a right read on the situation yeah i think the the situation sort of settled down a little bit you know not you know not getting asked about it as much but um apologies yeah, i think the pga tour is finding yeah it's all good the pga tour is certainly finding its stride you know moving on from some of the, the players that that went to the live tour and you know getting into the the rhythm of their their new schedule um ideas and um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a PGA Tour member. The, the PGA Tour is, you know, making some some changes that are great for the players, and there's, uh, you know, even more to play for now. So um, it's an exciting time for professional golf. And but I think the, you know, the outside distractions are, uh, you know, not, not as prevalent as they were uh, this time a year ago when the the Live Tour was starting up. Um, you know, it was cool to see some of the guys at the last few major championships. Um, you know that are hadn't seen for a while or or playing on the live tour and you know they all seem content with their their decision you know they've they've sort of moved on from the pga tour and that that is what it is but um i think golf's in a great place right now it's definitely uh definitely settled down uh, quite a bit since uh last season I wonder how much you uh, talk to the other Canadians on tour. I, I know we maybe glamorize the Canadian versus American rivalry in other sports, but I, are you guys uh, tight in terms of, you know, talking about this week, you know, Adam Svensson and Adam Hadwin are up there. The Adams are up there and in the betting odds, even Nick Taylor, you guys have a lot of Canadian support. Do you guys chat at all headed into this weekend or just in general on the tour while you're on the road? Yeah, we're all very close. We all spend a lot of time together in practice rounds or off the course or, you know, meals together um, <clears throat> week in and week out. So, you know, we're certainly all very close. And, um, you know, I'm sure I can speak for the other guys as well. We're all really excited for this week. It's it's fun playing in the RBC Canadian Open, our national championship as a Canadian. And you know, all the, the Canadians have been, been playing really well. Svensson with a victory this year. Matt Hughes with a victory this year. Um Nick Taylor had some good good play, and you know Hadwin's been been trending. So, um, you know Taylor Pendrith, couple couple good finishes as of late, and um, lots of uh, lots of exciting things for Canadian golf. And they uh, 
you know, I know they're all excited and um, we're all pushing each other, you know, feel like seeing the other guys have success is certainly, you know, really happy for them, but it's motivating to try and, you know, have some success of your own as well. So I think we're all pushing each other in, in a good way. And um, yeah, it's, it's a fun group to be a part of, but I wouldn't really say, you know, week in, week out, there's any like Canada versus U.S. rivalry, you know, <laughs> I guess golf's an individual sport, but you know, we're all, we're all friends with, uh, with, you know, a lot of different guys on the PGA tour as well. How do we get a full swing Canadian insightful episode? Is there a petition we can sign? Can we start the conversation today? I think it'd be great to follow the Canadians around for a full swing episode. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm, uh, I'm pretty boring. I don't think they uh, they'd find too much. Uh, <laughs> they just got to go to list well. Yeah, it's true. Also pretty boring. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Change no. the narrative. <laughs> tour, tour the tour the yarn factory. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a cool uh, cool thing that the PGA Tours you know partnered with with Netflix and creating that. But uh, yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you should get the petition started. I'll work on it. (laughs) I wonder if they'll be there this weekend. They'll catch me in my uh, full golf attire. There you go. Uh, (laughs) You know, when I asked this question previously to people, it's been Tiger Woods. But, you know, Tiger Woods isn't really actively on tour. So other than Tiger Woods, is there someone who you play against, one of your contemporaries, one of your peers that you do really admire uh, and still have, I wouldn't say a rooting interest, but you watch what they're doing and and, uh, you gain inspiration from it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably Rory McIlroy. Um, he's, you know, a really impressive guy. I, I really admire the way that he's, you know, spoken out uh, on behalf of the PGA Tour. And um, obviously his uh, game is, is pretty spectacular as well. And he's a guy that uh, you know, I'm always keeping an eye on how he's doing. I'm a big Rory fan. And he's just a great guy, um, you know, on and off the golf course as well. So he's an easy guy to root for. But uh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, always checking up and, and seeing how he's doing. I guess um, usually not too far uh, from the top of the leaderboard like this this past weekend. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's a guy that you know I admire uh, his game and his personality and how he conducts himself. Last one for you, Corey. Corey Connors wins this week if what? <sighs> he shoots the lowest score. <laughs> That's a good answer. There you go. <laughs> pretty simple. <laughs> Uh, we'll be hoping that you do just that and we'll be there Saturday, hopefully following you around. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, Corey, good luck this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, good luck with all the hosting duties as well. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Nice chat with you. Good chat with you. That's Corey Connors, the 29th ranked player in the world on the PGA tour. Top Canadian. And if you look at the betting odds, there's, there's quite a few. I think the Canadians get a little bit of a bump. Exciting. You know, Canadians on home soil. Could be fun when we do our uh, Fan X Cup. We might have to draft. We might have to draft every Canadian. I think, yeah. How many silly Canadian things do you think? I mean, I guess we should have asked him this, but like that he has to do over the course of I the bet week. There'll be like a poutine yeah, station, be shots of maple yeah, syrup, yeah, maple syrup, and all that stuff. I mean, I guess we'll be lean into that. it. You don't get it very often. Canadian Open. I'm excited to go. I think you're onto something there with the Canadian episode of. I think Full it'd be Swing. great. Yeah. So Netflix producers, free tips. Free stuff from us on the Fan Morning Show. Free stuff. You could follow us around on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Alanis Morissette concert will be fun. You really, you're excited about that. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun day. Um, All right, let's do some picks in the Wake and Rake. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! 
with Ailish and Justin. Okay, so Corey Connors, as I mentioned, up there in the betting odds uh, for this weekend. We'll do that on Wednesday. We'll do a full preview of the Canadian Open. We'll do that a couple times this week, of course. Uh, big tournament here in our city. So we'll get you all teed up, if you know what I mean. Corey Connors, I'm seeing some boosts, plus 2,000 enhanced boosts to win. Um, we might have to do mm. a little sprinkling. but Rory Shop will, around, as always. And Rory will be at the tournament. Uh, not the biggest star-studded list of names coming to the Canadian Open, but that means he might get some fun winners. He might get some different results. But Rory, the tournament favorite. Rory, uh, yeah, Rory is the favorite. Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Cam Young, Terrell Hatton, my guys to hit the galas out there. So it's a decent field. Yeah. I have a decent pick tonight. Okay. I was going to go to a real asinine selection. What a word, eh? And pick the (laughs) under between the Toronto Blue Jays and Houston Astros tonight with Alec Manoa on the bump. I do think it has some merit, though, because we've seen a real short leash on Manoa, right? Mm -hmm. The only problem is they don't have much of the bullpen to turn to. Yeah, who's after him? Like, we're going to get some Trevor Richards, probably. Maybe he has to go a couple innings, but we think Romano, Pearson... Swanson unavailable, yeah, or at least two of the three. Of players. So, you know, it, it might get a little dicey in the end there, although I still think I'd play the under before the over. I'm just going to take the Houston Astros. If I mush the wake and rake because I picked the Astros, that means Manoa at least happiness has a positive hedge. start. And it's not really a happiness hedge. I think it's actually a good bet to get plus 105 against Alec Manoa, given where he's at right now. Uh, the Astros are a great team. They've got a pitcher that I'm not completely familiar with. On the month, on the bump in Bilac or Bilac, but uh, he's got some decent numbers. Manoa doesn't. Houston Astros are a good team. I'll take the plus money on them against the problem child on the oh, Toronto, wow. uh, Toronto Blue Jays right now in Alec Manoa. Okay, so if you're going dogs, I'm going dogs. Florida Panthers money line. So you're going Astros money line. I'm going to go Florida Panthers money line. I think they tied the series up just like the Heat did last night. Uh, I don't think they were a fish out of water on Saturday night against the Golden Knights. It was a tied game in the third period. Uh, It got a little bit away from them. I think they'll go back to their game plan. Uh, They'll play hard tonight to try to tie the series up before they head home to Florida. So I'm going to go Panthers money line. That's plus 116. So we're getting a lot of a lot of. Plus money on our Awaken Rake to kick off your Monday. So let's go through some of these picks and uh, solidify it here. So we've got Awaken Rake picks. Marlins money line over Kansas City. Marlins are 32 and 28. Well, Kansas City are 18 and 41, the second worst team in the league. Ugh. So Pirates run line over the o- Oakland Athletics is the second pick. And we know that one is a, a favorite of ours. The A's are the worst team in the league. Yep. Another favorite of ours, Corey from Port Hope. His wake and rake will be the Phillies on the run line over the Tigers. Phillies have Nola on the bump. Mm. Uh, so he likes him to have a good outing. Uh, I like uh, the rationale there. Okay, Neil in Newfoundland. Good morning. Friday's pick of Fokina on the spread hit after he lost the first two sets in Djokovic tie breaks today. Two picks he's high on. Surindolo plus five and a half games versus Rune. Mm-hmm. Surindolo has only dropped two sets so far, and Rune is prone to dips in his performance. The other is under seven and a half serves of break in Sientek versus Tuzarenko. Yes. Well, I think I nailed it. Yeah, I think you did. Sientek should win this in straight sets and probably not get broken more than once, Neil in Newfoundland. Okay, I'll go with one of the easy ones. Uh, morning, J- uh, Justin and Ailish. Jalish. Jalish. Thank you for Oof. taking my under total runs on Friday. Today he's going Texas Rangers, Marcus Semyon, over one and a half hits. Mm. Talking to Carlos Pena about yep. the hit streak against the Cardinals. 24, he's going for a hit streak of 24. That is quite the run for the former Jay. And that's Courier Chris, who's in Innisfil on the road. Um, okay, quickly, we got to pick one. 
I say. I say. Want to go Phillies? Nola. Let's do Phillies. I think that's Nola. the best on the rationale run that we saw. Phillies Nola on the run line. So when you add this all up, it's a, it's a profitable one today. Astros money line, Panthers money line, Phillies run line plus seven eighty eight to kick off your one. Monday. All right. Well, best of luck, uh, Alec Bano on the mound tonight against the uh, against the Houston Astros. As we mentioned, seven oh seven first pitch. You got the Vegas Golden Knights in the Florida Panthers game two. That's at eight o'clock tonight so a little split screen viewing and you can catch the blue jays game on sportsnet one sportsnet now sportsnet 590 fan and on sportsnet.ca slash 590 we'll be back tomorrow morning have a great monday